So here we are, God, we surrender in heaven. We lay all down at your feet, remembering that you are our story. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much. Um, part of me just wants to continue singing. So I know probably some of you do as well. Um, this whole month, we've been trying to uh, talk about testimonies and the importance of what it means to share who God is and what he's done, because we understand that we overcome him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony and uh, one today who is going to share um, what God has done and led her to this church is Stacy Granfield. Stacy's no stranger to this place and we love her with us. But Stacy, won't you just come and share? Good morning. So my journey with Living Hope was born out of brokenness and tragedy. And many of you probably already know the story, so I'm not going to get into the details, but really to just share what's been happening since that day. Um, I entered the church this time of year, right before Thanksgiving, and was in deep despair and just couldn't find my way out of it. My very dear friend, Missy, said, come to church, try this new church. And I've been in church since I was a kid, so coming to church wasn't new, but I wasn't sure. And I did, and Jeff had an altar call that day, and that was a couple of weeks after I first started coming here. Um, and I felt this overwhelming push to go to the altar and to ask for the Lord to enter my heart. So at first I resisted it. I just sat in the chair. I'm not getting up there. I'm not getting up there. I'm not getting up there. Don't make me go up there. <laughs> But it was a physical push from behind. And the most inspiring thing about that is there was nobody sitting behind me that day. But I physically felt a push from behind to go up to the altar and kneel. And so I did. And I felt Missy come up behind me and put her arm around me um, while we were praying and, and asking for the Lord to come into my heart. And it was the beginning of just an amazing journey with, with our Lord and Savior. Um, Living Hope is my family. It's God's family. I feel God's presence in this church every time I walk through its doors, no matter how I'm feeling. Um, he pushes me to step out of my comfort zone. This is not my comfort zone. Um, being the prayer lead is not my comfort zone, but he pushes me and he encourages me. And even in my darkest days, and trust me, there are a lot of dark days right now. Um, I'm dealing with a chronic condition that oh, tries me in ways I've never been tested before. But at the darkest moment of that uh, diagnosis, he encouraged me to come to church, and I did. And since then, I felt him lifting me up every day. Every day when I don't want to get out of bed, every day when I feel like I can't, just, I can't. I can't get out of my chair. I can't cook dinner. I can't 
get dressed. I can't do anything. I can't brush my hair. On those days, he's like, yes, you can. And there are people supporting you and praying for you. And I feel those prayers. Um, so Living Hope, it's my family, but it's where I met God for the first real time in my life. And I know that when I'm here, I'm in his presence and that he's in the presence of each one of you as well. He guides our steps. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be tough. Doesn't mean that there aren't going to be really difficult days. And I know that. But what I do know is I can lean on him to help me push forward and that he's not going to abandon me. And that at the end of this, whatever that might be, I'll be welcomed home. So I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful to Jeff and Bethany and all of you for welcoming me into your family. I'm going to invite the Gibbs if you'll come forward. Not if you had the maiden name Gibbs, because that'd be like my family, but no, the Gibbs, if you'll come back. They just returned from El Salvador a little bit ago and uh, are just going to share briefly about that time. Um, it's great to hear stories. And so hopefully there will be more. And if you would like to share or you feel a prompting, but you don't want to share, we can record it. We can do a multitude of things to uh, to have you share. Uh, as they come forward, I just wanted to point out, not to embarrass them, but Noah and Caroline, these two back here, they came to Life Group uh, two weeks ago, it must have been. And it was just such an encouragement to hear Caroline share, because sometimes in church, like people aren't talking back, which is probably not a bad thing. I'm not encouraging. Hey, just say, but during that small group, it was just so encouraging to hear you guys share and they drive from, um, uh, Morseville area. So it is a drive and a commitment, but thank you for just investing in us with what God's doing. So thank you so much. But if you guys would share. So this is a challenge for me. <laughs> but we went to El Salvador and I knew going that it would be a huge challenge for me because there was two ministers that went with us and I just said God you gotta you gotta make me do this and he was there so and this is this was Tom's first time going. So I says, well, I'm not going to use my eyes. I'm going to use his eyes. And in the end, it was wonderful. So we brought back a few gifts. And the first one is for Jeff. And it's a shirt that says San Rom Romero. Now, St. Romero is now a saint because he was murdered for his people in a church giving a funeral. So Jeff, wear this and think of him and say, I'm going to be a saint someday, too. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, did you hear yeah, yeah. Someday? Yeah. So we wanted people to remember that El Salvador is a third world country and it's a very poor country. They maybe, and this is a big maybe, get $10 a month to live. 
a day. No, a month. A month. <laughs> a okay. month. And, you know, think when you're out working, that one hour is what they have to do to survive for a whole month. So. Yeah. Whoops, upside yeah. down. <laughs> so this is an El Salvador flag that helps people remember that we haven't made. And Bethany, could you come? <laughs> so we got a little something for Bethany. Um, this is a table runner that was made by the community San Antonio Grande, their sewing group. So it it was hand embroidered. That's beautiful. Thank you very yeah. much. So Tom has one thing to say. Why <laughs> Condias? Go Name with God. Go with God. Thank you so much. Please give me. And now this will probably come out offensive, which I do not mean it to, but uh, the Gibbs are not young and they just followed God's call to go to El Salvador. And so you might say, hey, I've missed the opportunity. Like what? Well, God is still calling us. So if you feel prompted, um, go after Jesus. Thank you so much for uh, sharing. And it's good to be a part of a church that has more than just one person speaking all the time, even though I do talk a lot. But as we look at Acts chapter 5, this is a familiar story for those that grew up in church. And it's kind of an interesting story because it talks about a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. So what is the context of this? They sold some property. Well, you have to go to last week as we concluded from Acts 4. 33 through 35, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring them the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Sometimes there's this fear. My son mentioned it, and I was like, oh, Michael, I don't know if you want to brag about having this, but it's the fear of missing out. We have this fear of missing out of like, oh, wait, they're doing something? I, I want to go. That's happening? Like, why wasn't I invited? And I addressed it, I don't know, a year ago or whatever it was. Some people, you don't want them to invite you because, oh, I don't even like them anyway. But then you're like, why did they invite me? It's probably because like you're uh, in your head voice actually made it vocalized and they heard it one time. But sometimes we have this fear of missing out. So Ananias and Sapphira had this fear of missing out because people were doing what God commanded them to do and selling all that they had and giving to those in need. But God did not have this for everyone to do, only those that God called. God is not calling everyone to go to El Salvador, but he did call the Gibbs. You might say, well, I wish somebody else would do such and such or go to this place. And maybe God is saying, no, that's why you're hearing this. That's why I want you to be a part of this. And so instead of a fear of missing out on what everybody's doing, we should have a healthy fear of missing out on what God has called us to be a part of. 
There was a certain man named Ananias, his wife Sapphira, sold the property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. He lied. He said, this is it. I don't know if you struggle with this. I do. I guess I should confess. Um, so uh, Top Notch, they had uh, new shirts for the uh, kitchen staff. And I'm in the kitchen all the time. So I'm like, hey, do I get one of these shirts? And so I picked one up and they're like, oh, they're really for the kitchen staff. I'm like, oh, but okay. And they're like, well, Jeff, you can take one if you want. It's like, oh, thank you. Cause I want one. That's why I asked. That's why I took it. And I took it. Then I asked, but then I get up to upstairs in my uh, front desk manager. He's like, hey, Jeff, nice shirt. Did you take that from the, from the, kitchen people the roost that's a restaurant and i'm like well they gave it to me and then i'm like after i took it and asked for it but my first inclination my first thought was like uh, well yeah they did give it to me like it's a loophole it's kind of like the way to get in without being completely brutally honest it was like it was true and sometimes we just get by with like yeah i guess on a technicality but why do we have to worry about technicalities when we can just be honest? No, we sold this. We felt inclined to give this much, and this is what we gave. But no, they lied about it. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. This is, well, kind of a good thing. He, at least he consulted his wife. Ann and I said, hey, Sapphira, how about we do this and I keep part of it? Is that a good idea? And she's like, yeah, whatever you want. Like all wives. Oh, okay. So, um, so he kept the rest with his wife's consent. This is where uh, it kind of gets, well, where personal responsibility kicks in. Because Peter asked Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. This is not about keeping money. This is about lying, about giving everything. This is about saying, well, God hasn't called me to that Bible study. Well, is that God or you just don't want to go? Well, God hasn't led me in that direction. Well, is that God or you're just like, eh, you really would like to do something else. So let's not blame God when it's our own decision. Just like let's not blame Satan when it's us just being bad. While Satan made me do it, no, no, you actually wanted to go do that. While Satan, I digress, but I don't, because in this story, we must understand this is not about go sell your home and give everything you make from your home to the church. That's not the point of this story. The point is, if God calls you to obey him, obey him completely. Not just the initial act. So you fit in, hey, other people are selling, other people are giving, other people. You can give as God calls you to give, not as you feel obligation from yourself or someone else to do so. As you wish. This is what it says in the uh, New Living Translation. Uh, at your disposal is the NIV. The word wished or disposal, it's authority, power, right, or dominion. I'll go back. Um, well, I lost it now. Where you could see in the verse, you had uh, the opportunity as you, to give as you wished. At your disposal. You had the ability, the authority, the power, the right, the dominion, just to give whatever you felt God was having you give. But instead of doing that, you lied about it. 
I don't know if you lied to fit in or you lied to look good or you lied because you thought it was easier, but there are consequences for your actions. As it's been said, God looks at all sin the same. Yes, but different sins have more severe consequences. Yes, all sin is the same in God's eyes, requiring Jesus to die on the cross, to forgive us, to be resurrected, but certain sins have more severe consequences. Many people have pointed, well, Jeff, this is the Old Testament. This is when God was cruel and everything was so difficult and God just laid down the law. No, this is in the New Testament when Jesus came to fulfill the law. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wish, verse 4. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Well, no, I wasn't. It was just my front desk manager. It was only a long sleeve t-shirt. It wasn't a big deal. Come on, just get over it. Well, sometimes when we let little uh, discrepancies come into play, before long, they turn into full-blown thought out. I want to do this. I'm going to lie about it so I can get what I want. And that is sin. And it's to God. It's not to the people. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. This is kind of funny. Everybody who heard about it was terrified. Isn't that obvious? Like if you saw somebody that lied, they fall to the floor and they're dead because of God's judgment. That would be scary. That'd be a little bit nerve wracking. That's like, oh, the Bible. I don't know if I should read it. And Jeff, isn't this Thanksgiving week? Like, shouldn't we be happy? Like, why are you telling me this? This isn't anything to be thankful for. Well, then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Now, I won't uh, tell you what shows I watch because maybe they are shows I shouldn't watch. But this made me think of like if there's a dead body and somebody's trying to get away with it and they wrap him up in a sheet real quick. But the young men. So who is it? Is it like saying, hey, Ezra, Hobie, uh, no, I need I need your help right now. And like, all right, like you guys are men of God. Like, how can we help? Uh, can you wrap this dude up and uh, take him out back for me? It's just, I don't know. Read the Bible with all five senses because sometimes you laugh. Sometimes you're convicted. Sometimes you cry. Other times you're like, whoa, who were these young men? I wish it mentioned their name in the Bible. And we would have named our son after one of them and said like, you know what? Like, this is not what you always obey authority with. But they did. So about three hours later, his wife, who was Ananias' wife? You can say it a little bit louder. His wife was? Yeah. It's like, yeah, like Sapphire. There you go, Allison. You want to come do this? Come on. Okay, okay. Uh, about three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, was this a price you and your husband received for your land? Peter is not God. Now, Jesus said on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. But this is how Jesus acts with grace and mercy, giving second opportunities to tell the truth, to tell the truth. Was this the price? Yeah, that was the price. Remember, she had consulted with her husband. They had agreed on a certain price. They thought like, hey, we've agreed. This is okay. We will not maybe intentionally deceive, but we're just going to tell them, yeah, we gave everything because we don't want to miss out on God's blessing. So maybe if we say it's everything, then everybody around us thinks it is, but inside we know it wasn't, and we just lie about it. And Peter said, how 
could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord? Why does it come so naturally to try to get away with doing what we want? Because we're human and because it's a tendency not to submit to authority, but to gain control. It's natural for us to think like, I really want to do this, add a little Jesus, it's going to be okay. Instead of all of Jesus, none of me, this is my desire. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now, a quick aside, I wonder if they needed instructions or they're just like, oh, this just happened. I guess this is her job today. Like, do you get paid for this? I don't know. But it's just one of those things that they were there available to witness the consequences of what lying did to those who disobeyed Jesus. I, I wonder if these young men, these guys that carry these two bodies out, how they were changed the rest of their life. Maybe, I, I would assume, that they had just witnessed something so traumatic, so drastic, so incredible, that they probably had this fortitude that said, I want to follow God. I want to do the right thing. If every uh, jot and tittle, they say, it's like the dot on top of an I or crossing your T, every little detail, I want to make sure I do it exactly how Jesus says, because I just witnessed what it means if you do not have that integrity of following God, that character. And over time, as these young men grew to be older men, they were probably tested. They were tempted. There were uh, things that happened, but there were reminders of this instance where, put yourself in the story, you couldn't help but remember wrapping up two bodies and burying them because they lied about what they had done for the Lord. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Fear. This is terror, respect, reverence. Fear gripped the church. Sometimes we have to balance when we talk about God's grace and his love with the reality of judgment. Because there is judgment. The fortunate thing for us is we are alive, we are breathing, we still have opportunity to receive God's grace and forgiveness. We can turn from our ways, we can confess our sins, we can make right so Jesus is known and above all. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade, but no one else dared to join them even though all the people had high regard for them. No one else dared to join. The, this is like a throwaway line. If you read it in your Bible, it doesn't matter which translation. It doesn't matter which version of the Bible. You can open it up. This one little line, it's just like a throwaway line. But no one else dared to join them, even though they had uh, all the people had high regard, high respect for Peter and John. This line, no one else dared to join them. This, for me, just jumped out at me. So it's like, why did no one else join them? Because they thought the high calling of following Jesus was too much. 
They said, yes, you promised me salvation. Yes, you promised me hope. Yes, you promised me peace, even through tragedy here on this earth. But man, I can't, I don't know if I can. And it was all about them. I, I don't know if I can. I can't. I wonder, instead of understanding submission to Jesus. And it's a reminder to us, I think, practically speaking, that no one else dared to join them. Maybe no one else dared to join us, this local assembly of believers, because at times there have been Christians, even within the Wesleyan church, that said, if you drink, if you smoke, if you dance, if you go to the movies, if you, whoa, you guys were legalistic. Yeah, super legalistic. And we are coming around to understand that Jesus calls us and you're responsible to live to please him. There are certain things that we've learned from others, other people that have fallen, that have experienced such things as these uh, young men that we're learning from. And we say, this is a safeguard. You probably shouldn't. It's unwise. But as the church, as the body of Christ, we say, this is what God is calling you to. It is your choice to follow him. So instead of saying, well, take off your hat in church or, oh, I don't know if you should be wearing an earring or that's a bad tattoo or that's a great tattoo. We start to judge and we start to make people feel like, oh, you're good people, but eh, why are you judging me? I don't want to join such things. This is why we must be careful because Jesus died that all might know him and understand the church, the big C church, the body of Christ is for us all. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus speaking, red letter edition. If I would have put it in red letters, you wouldn't have seen it because I've heard red letters don't show up on the screen. I probably should have done red letters in the bulletin, but nobody takes the bulletins home. Sorry, that's my own jaded opinion. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What if this was what we were known for? Not this holiness, but we were about following Jesus. Not this a specific act of this is what you need to do, but what if it was about following Jesus? Love each other just as Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us with extravagant love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So we go back to verse 14 as we wrap up. Zach, if you would just make your way forward. So no one knew was joining the church, even though they had high regard. I like how the New International Version says it. Nevertheless, despite the fact that no one knew was coming, more and more. Men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Well, that's kind of contradictory because they said nobody was joining the church, but many believed. What if people were more about following Jesus than attending this specific local church? That, to me, is heartbreaking. It's sad. It's, it's troublesome. It's like, well, you love Jesus, but I thought we were friends. Like, why don't you keep coming here? Why, why are you going, oh, to the church in your community where your kids go to school, where people need Jesus, and he might be using you to show his love to them? It, it's difficult, but what if we were more about more and more men and women believing and following Jesus so that they could be added to, what's that song? 
the Lamb's book of life. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Instead of saying, hey, what's our membership? Let's add members. We say, wow. In heaven, there's this thing called the book of life. In Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the one that was sacrificed to take away our sins, because of his sacrifice, people have chosen his forgiveness. And now we have the hope of eternal life, not just when you die and get to heaven, but right now the hope that Jesus loves us, he is with us, and he is for us. Jeff, are you saying you don't want me to come to church? No. But I hope my heart is, it doesn't matter which local church you go to, grow in maturity. As Jesus loves you, and he's reaching you to reach others, because his name is above all. I'm going to flip through the slides. If we can finish with, yes, I will. I think that's appropriate. I don't know if you do, but you can pick a different song. But as we close, I hope this is, this is our answer and our response. But before, Missy has an announcement.